Welcome to Stories of Hope. This podcast segment is part of Michael Crossan's itinerant preaching ministry. The Stories of Hope segments are a collection of interviews from various people from all walks of life who share their stories about how they discovered God's hope and purpose in life's darkest hours. I pray that these stories bless you and encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hi there, welcome to this episode of Stories of Hope. My next guest is Michael Montgomery, and I've had the privilege of getting to know Michael over this past year. We haven't physically met, it's always on Zoom, and it was through the Good Crips of Crown Jesus, where I met Michael for the first time. And at that time it was random, Michael can concur this, but every single session that we have in the breakout rooms that everyone fears or dreads if you're in school or uni, I always saw Michael and he always saw me. And in every go group ever since, it's always been the two Michaels. You had the two Ronnies, now you have the two Michaels today, folks. So, Michael, thank you for coming on, coming on and sharing your <laughs> story. Just tell us who you are and where you come from. Thanks, Michael. Yes, so my name is also Michael, one of the other two Ronnies here. So I, <laughs> I was was born <laughs> born in, in Dundonald. Um, I'm, current, I'm 35 years old. Um, I, I work in a financial crime department of a financial services provider. And yeah, I'm here today because uh, Michael asked me to sort of share my story and, and my journey. Um, as I said, we've been speaking together over the last year, but, but never met in person. So it's uh, yeah, great to have a chance to share my story. Yeah, that's great. And hopefully, side note, we can actually meet, meet physically for a, a coffee, even social distance, just to actually see you know and you know this is not an artificial robotic existence we're living in it feels like at times you know i feel like my life has been living through a screen this past year we all have but in that god is sovereign so tell us a bit about your upbringing i always ask this question especially from people from northern Ireland. were you brought up in a christian home or a religious home or you had nothing to do with it so i i was raised in a christian home michael and i think Interestingly, just to maybe even take a step back just before, it, it wasn't always Christian families as well. So, so growing up, it was certainly a, a big influence. Um, but again, both both my grand, sets of grandparents were originally not from Christian homes, you know, really more connected to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually introduced by, by my great aunt Lily. And mm-hmm. she, from about age six, she had polio. And so she was wheelchair bound for all of her life. Um, and it was volunteers from my parents or my, from my grandparents' local churches that showed a real interest in her at the time um, and always home visits and inviting her in person to their church services. Again, because she was within a wheelchair for most of her life, she was sort of excluded from a lot of other things, but the, the local church took a real interest. And it was through that there that uh, the, the connections that, that made that many of you know, my, our grandparents uh, in, in my family you came to know what the church was and what a relationship with God was. So it was a very practical um, example in that other people maybe you know, saw, saw my Aunt Lily and, and, and didn't see a person, you know, maybe just didn't see someone who could, could do anything. So it, it was a really interesting story that way. And it was something that was always really interesting because she never, she never blamed God for her physical condition either. And that is something that was really unusual, again, for a lot of people as well. She had this, this hope as well that she found 
through that connection as well. So yes, yes, a Christian family to answer your question, Michael. You know, but it certainly wasn't always that way at all. Yeah, well, that's a wonderful story about the hope of the gospel and how a church took an interest in a girl, where at that time polio was so rampant and different things, and the church should love the lily. And she found the love of Christ and it spread and actually filtered down the generation. So when you went to church, when was it in your life that made you give your life to Jesus Christ? Tell us about your life. How did you come to know the saving faith of Jesus Christ? So for me, it was it was really through um, again the, the local church um, that I attended and it was at, a, at a young age, it wasn't something that was difficult for me to understand. Again, some people, when they hear about, uh, you know, the idea that they maybe have, they've done things wrong in their lives, that they've been separated from God, and there was a sacrifice that had to be made. Some people that that maybe doesn't that maybe take a little bit more understanding. For me, I I always accepted that, and to me, it seemed it seemed to make sense. Um, I was through really the the, the boys' brigade. Um, and with some people may know of as well, which was again focused on the young, uh, the youth, the men's, and, and you know there's a girls' brigade as well. So the boys' brigade was primarily where I attended to. Um, I loved the, the games and the stories and the leaders as well, the the, the Christian leaders as well, who told those stories uh, and shared the the word of God. And it was those relationships at a very early stage, even from sort of four, five, and six, mm-hmm. um, that that really told that. And it was it was their involvement and very much so the connection to church as well but it was the boys brigade really where i learned about that that's incredible because um for those who are wondering but when at the time that me and michael recorded this interview today is the anniversary of sir william alexander smith's passing the founder of the boys brigade who started the organization 137 years ago and right now as the world is still facing the pandemic and what the future is. The Boys Brigade's motto is still the same, sure and steadfast, and the advancement of Christ's kingdom amongst boys, promoting all the habits of godliness, discipline, and all that towards true Christian manliness. I'm paraphrasing because I'm conscious of time. But also in this pandemic, they're encouraging young boys to live full for Jesus Christ, to live fully for Christ. And when Sir Alexander Smith was talking about the Boys Brigade, he talks about it being a molding process for boys to hear about Christ and to grow. And that's what you've shown in your story, Michael. I'm so thankful that you have, and that's no coincidence. If uh, Albert Einstein, I believe, said coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous, what makes you think about who you're looking to. So that's incredible. So continue on. So when was that moment where you realized, hang on, I need Christ as my own Lord and personal savior. Keep telling us about your life and the journey God brought you through. So I, I would I would say that it, it I can remember it many things that you know I didn't do right as well that were separating me from you know family, other friends and relationships. And ultimately, you know, how was I going to make those things right as well? And I I, I believed when you know I, I read in the Bible that that God sent his son, he sent him to sacrifice and to pay for all of those things by, by dying on a cross and then that he restored a relationship to God and, and, and three days later rose and he conquered death. And, and I can remember praying that prayer and accepting Jesus, his sacrifice for the things that I've done and feeling that peace. Again, even though I was 
maybe five years old in my bedroom, just praying um, a simple prayer as well. And I did feel that peace. You know, I, re I can remember that very clearly, even at a younger age. And I think growing up then from that, it was, it was something that was all apart for me. And I think at this point as well, just a year later, although I was living in Dundonald and, and going to school there until the age of six, um, my, my life sort of journeyed from, from there, um, from six for the next 11 years. And, and I actually moved across to the, the United States for my sort of school ages. And I went to first to, to California for four years. So when I was sort of six to 10, as a young child, I know it's a hard life, isn't it? <laughs> and it was uh... every morning. You you hang out with kids with the white picket fences, trick or treating and all that. There, yeah. Absolutely. Remember our first <laughs> Halloween day? Uh, people that trick or treated round, and we ran out of food. So many children came by, and we were giving out soup cans. We were giving out pasta because we didn't think. Here, it's it, it, it's not really a culturally something that happens but there we must have had at least a hundred children who came to the houses um, and it was such a big event there that people share share sweets with each other and, and we ran out of food I think we had to go to the to buy food for the morning and we didn't even have breakfast cereal <laughs> it was, uh, but it's just culturally a very different experience um, absolutely and living in California it was it was sunny probably 300 days of the year something that you know, everyone dreams about. So it was, it was fantastic, friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, so no, it was as well. And again, we were, were very much connected to a, a very strong church as well, and a lot of uh, the strong friends that we made through there. Um, people encouraged me in my faith as well. And there, there might not have been a boyhood, but there was certainly, um, you know, a, a local church um, community that was very supportive as well. And so, and so growing up as well, there were a lot of strong church leaders and um, I, I think it was it was a very easy time as well I think I don't think <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't great living in in sort of a, a four four seasons of summer uh, every year <laughs> the dream so I think at that one <laughs> absolutely dun, dun, dun. so no it, it was yeah. it was great and then I take it you moved from California where did you move to after California in the states do you move back here or? So we went, to... yes, we, we, we actually went over to uh, another place in the States for, for the next seven years. So sort of from ages 10 to, to 17 um, to Chicago in Illinois. And that city. was at the time, the Windy City. Yes, that's right. That's right. And it was there. We were at, at the very same time as, as Michael Jordan when he was playing for the Chicago Bulls. So that was in the, the height of the 90s and everyone was there. And, and speaking of, of trick-or-treating, as you said, we actually went to his house and we would go there on, uh, and trick-or-treat there and get candy from, from Michael Jordan's, not, not him personally, but just his guests uh, and all his staff as well. And it was, it was at a very different time. There was were, there were snow, you would build snow that'd be maybe six foot high up against your wall. Uh, and then you'd have summers as well. Um, but again, very, very strong church background and, and everything was was very, very easy as well. Uh, it, it was just just seemed like a bit of a, a dreamland as well. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. So you're you're living in the Windy City, Chicago at 17. But where did you go after that? Did you go to this college in the States or did you move back to the glorious land that is Northern Ireland or did you stay, stay somewhere sunny? Well, I moved somewhere that possibly the 
the the least sunny place you could think of. Um, I decided to. <laughs> yeah, there was a a person who flew out every year to um, to Chicago from Scotland and tried to get people to go to university there. And for some reason, I believed them that it would be a very good idea <laughs> to to go. <laughs> <laughs> so you've given up the idea of Chicago to go to Scotland. Yes, I, I, what, what part in Scotland? Man? It's this important. Please don't say Glasgow. Yes. <laughs> no, no, it, <laughs> it wasn't. Wasn't Glasgow? <laughs> Where'd you go? So it was. It was on the east. <laughs> The, on the coldest, the most nor- more northerly, more cold in the uh, in the east coast, uh, and I was at it was at St Andrews University there, and nice that was at the same time as we're going. Did you go? Yeah, yes. She did. She did. What did she think oh, of it? She loved it. She loved it, and and speaks highly of it. So, I, I'll let you off of that one. St Andrews is a beautiful place. Yes. Oh no, it, it absolutely was it's a very different sort of sort of beauty. And I think at the in the very first year I was I was there at the, the same time that uh, Prince William was there. And oh. so there was one or two people uh, or more sort of uh, security and all of the sort of everyone's trying to spot him and see the royal family and, and uh, swarm around. So there was a lot of interest at that time. Um, and I think I think he was in one of the exams. My exam halls just a few rows aside me at the end of his last year mm-hmm. but uh, I think everyone looks sort of looks like Prince William over there there's a, a lot of people that uh, yeah just sort of wanted to try and find him and thought they would marry him uh, <laughs> a lot of female friends they, that's maybe why they went who knows <laughs> who knows only the Lord will know did you bump into Catherine when she, when she was there you know did you see Catherine no. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, a, a lot of people did. It was a, it was a, it was a, a horsey and uh, shooting and polo ponies and uh, everyone had a, you know, the yachts and the have and uh, the have yachts and uh, have nots. So they were, it was a, yeah, a different different side as well. So it was a, the very royal sort of mm-hmm. uh, privilege as well. So a lot of people um, did have. I think I think my yeah, friend of mine spent their student loan on buying a new boat. So that, that sort of shows you. <laughs> These are things that are obviously ridiculous now. <laughs> what do you spend uh, on? Oh, I spent on food and some clothes. I bought a yacht. What? <laughs> Any, anywho, what was it like going being a Christian through through that period? Because you're leaving Chicago, family, and what you knew to St Andrews. Were you still a Christian at that point? Or it was your relationship with God? Yep, you're still following the Lord at this point. Absolutely, yes. No, I think I think the you know the the journey as well, my my journey of, of faith as well, was very much so. It, for me to say, certainly times in, in America and growing up there, yes, on the everything certainly is is sunny and, and weather wise is. But I think you know moving to different places as well, the having the constant of your faith and, and of a community and seeing as well how the church. Is actually the same yeah. in every country, and that's the, the fellowship of believers. That it, it's it's really an it's it's nothing else really connects people quite like, you know, the the love of God and and the community and the fellowship. You find that, and and that was what was really refreshing, and that was constant throughout. 
And I think, you know, in, in the, yeah, it's, it's, it's not to say that everything was always rosy. You don't feel lonely and, and certainly moving to another country. It was incredible, the, the relationships and the friendships that we made. Many of those that, that are still till today are really through that, those church connections. And I think that there's, there's something we said that is it a global church. It's not just a church of down the road. There's actually people in other countries who are worshiping the same God, reading the same Bible, and they have the same experience and they have the same the share that's it's this holy spirit is the same across the world and mm-hmm. i think in those times as well michael i i, I think i i think it, it w- really showed me as well was, was going to different places mm-hmm. um and seeing the church outside as well so in the summers I, I tried to go and um on on different work trips or building trips we're building different churches in in mexico and romania and i think those were times as well when i saw you know god's spirit move i can remember um just him speaking to me very clearly and answering prayers and just seeing the the disparity as well of different places of the world some have a lot of material wealth and some places you know don't but mm-hmm. the spiritual wealth that can be there is is something that everyone can have yeah. and that's something that is is really incredible to see across the globe as well so i, I had a lot of in, incredible experiences and a lot of really strong um, church relationships as well and I, through all throughout those times and, and the same in scotland as well i found there was a community um through sort of the cu sort of the, the christian union organizations that connects universities connects people from regardless of, of church denominations or um that they they were very supportive so those those four years i very much you know did did find that community and, and also you know obviously grew in the word and 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 find that you know there, there was there was a a constant in god being there and his presence in all that in in my own life no matter what country i was in mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah um yeah, go on. Sorry. Well, no, just I mean, yeah, so everything up, up really until sort of the last year, and and but to take the sort of timeline, this this sort of uh, time when I graduated was around two thousand and seven. And for those who sort of don't don't maybe remember that particular year, two thousand seven and two thousand and eight, I think that was you you may you may remember it well. <laughs> The recession and That's what that what that mean for you in that period you know you graduated uh st andrews you know you've had this a wonderful privileged life of going to different places and every graduate is looking for a job how did that turn out for you in the middle of a recession well it, 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 in truth it, it didn't turn out very well at all and uh, i think a lot of people you know were struggling financially either had to cut hours you know or or really not you know get get access to any jobs and for me i i certainly didn't receive a job or or I was, from what i was able to look and find that it, it, it certainly wasn't what i had expected coming out uh, and it certainly financially you know i wasn't at any advantage to had i had i not gone to university and it feel it felt like again uh, i i didn't i didn't have any opportunities um, at all and I think the, the thing that that's different though for previous times and before is that it was probably the first time that I didn't get what I had wanted and what I had thought was important in my life and you know, I find I find myself really extremely wondering sort of why why is this happening and and even questioned my own faith and, and I really pulled away from not only the church but really my relationship with God and it was really bizarre in a way, you know, looking back on this now, but at that time, 
you know, having a job and having financial success, mm-hmm. like that, that was really what I thought was success was. And, and I think it, it sort of took to, to not get a, an opportunity for that at all to, for me to realize that is actually what I was, what I judged success as in, in life. And it wasn't, it wasn't my faith at all. And so I, you know, I, I really got very, you know, angry towards God and, and believed, I somehow believed in, in what can sometimes be described as a prosperity gospel. And it's certainly not anything my family or, or churches that I've been to would teach that somehow your financial prosperity is connected to your, your faith. And that's a very dangerous idea as well, that somehow that's a sign of, of God's favor, because that's not, that's definitely not biblical, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that at that point I did. So, you know, I, I did whatever I could to sort of retrain. And at that time in my life, you know, I was, I was quite, I was very aggressive and I, I tried to really do whatever it was. I, I didn't certainly do anything illegal, but I certainly was, uh, would do whatever it took to, to get the best job possible. And I ended up trying to, to retrain as, as a lawyer, which uh, was a terrible fit. Not, not something that I was very good at at all. Um, it shows to maybe how aggressive or confrontational um, I was. And it was purely really because I, I thought it would be a way to, to wealth and success. Um, and I, I, I did whatever was necessary. I started drinking very heavily um, in order to, to be around those. And again, not that you, you have to, to drink necessarily, not that drinking necessarily is anything, but in a way that's, that's heavily, in a yep. way that's destructive to relationships, in a way that makes you behave differently and say things mm-hmm. um, that are, are not glorifying to God and are not pursuing what he wants for your life as well. And, you know, I did that and, and focused and really cut off a lot of people um, in my own church as well and people that I'd known for a long time. And he, um, But at the same time, I was, I was financially very successful um, as well. So I, again, had, I think at the time, maybe like a, a nine-person apartment in the center of London. Um, I could fly anyone I wanted out any weekend. At, like there was more money than I could spend. And I'm, I'm not saying that to boost. I'm saying that to say how important it was to me. Uh, and it's, it's not something that I think is important now. Absolutely not. But just how driven I was, that that was the most important thing um, in my life. But again, I was I was not a happy person. Mm-hmm. And you know, for those for those five or six years, certainly after university and, and getting to that, that position in London, I, I was miserable. And that's that's the very interesting thing is that I was, I may have been financially more successful, but I was absolutely just in despair. And that's, pro- that's probably why I drank so heavily. That's probably why uh, you know, I just pursued career success because yeah. I was just miserable. Mm-hmm. That's, that's powerful because we sort of, you know, watch like the drama suits or true crime or whatever. And, you know, lawyers, you know, the big fancy life, but then there's a, a sad consuming side of it because there's nothing wrong and want to do well in your career far from it. That's good because it shows a discipline and hardworking attitude towards your job and also to your, your own self-worth. But when it destroys your character and then when it leads to other problems, such as your heavy drinking, you're wearing this sort of miserable pit, as it were, you know, and what shall profit a man if he gained the whole world? 
but loses soul. And that's just that's when I, that's the first that keeps popping in my head as as you shared that to me. And you know, there's nothing wrong pursuing success, but when that success becomes your god, as you say, you're still miserable. And when you're looking at what success is, sometimes success can leave you very empty. You know, success won't cover comfort you at night or keep you company when you're you're alone in your apartment. So in that sadness, what turned it around for you to where you're at now? So for me, it 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 really was, it really was, uh, I think, God through his Holy Spirit. So it was in, in around 2015. Um, I, I was out uh, socially with, with friends from work. Um, and I, I could clearly very very clearly hear God speaking to me through his Holy Spirit and really saying three words and he said is this enough and it was those three words is this enough that just certainly broke me and I I started I started really crying and I felt completely convicted at that point you know that the emptiness that I that I felt you know could only be fulfilled by being back in that relationship with God in some ways, you know, God had given me the chance to to find all of the financial success that I wanted, but but, but that wasn't it, you know. And I, and I think that verse, as you're as you're mentioning other verses as well, but there's Matthew 16 verse 26. Jesus asks, "What good is it if a man gains the whole world yeah. but forfeits his soul?" You know, and God God lets us to go our own way, and that's and that's the thing about god that he doesn't force anyone to choose him you mm-hmm. know, materially i had every thing every material thing that the world tells you you need to be happy you know but that at that time i, I wasn't miserable ever as miserable as at that moment you know and i think i think as well as another parable that jesus tells a parable of the sower yeah. and there's there's four different different examples of people and there's there's one where the word he's talking about the word is if it's a seed and for those people in, in different circumstances they respond differently to the word about god's kingdom and the third person that says that um in in verse 7 in chapter 13 of matthew says that other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants and it's one of the verses where jesus he actually usually doesn't explain but he explains this this particular one afterwards and he says you know what they ask, you know, what, what do each of those types of seed mean? And he says that, you know, the, the one who received the seed, that is, you know, the word about Jesus, the word about the kingdom of God, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. And I think that's just such a really powerful image about that they're like, you know, you're, you're able to grow. It's not that I... I didn't know it. It's just that deceitfulness of wealth. I think that, you know, it's, it's good for certainly some things, but it's it's not going to provide you with that ability to grow in Christ and to know what, what true fulfillment is as well. So I, I think those verses really spoke through to me. And it was, again, so many people have been praying for me as well, you know, that I would return uh, and so it, it's not it's not just to say one moment, but certainly in 2015, that one night I, I heard God saying, is this enough? And it was at that point that those verses 
that that came back to me from from the boys brigade to the church Sunday schools, and and just friends as well who who knew I wasn't in a good place either, and and it was through his word that that he that he shared that. So I think that's what it is for me. Is it, for me it was God speaking quite directly, um, but no doubt it's it's also those praying as well um, and the prayers as well of people to to see that that path of life is is important too. Sorry, I just skipped all the way. Anytime I have a privilege of hearing someone's stories, their conversion stories always get to me because you see God's mercy, God's love lifting you from that, from a from a place of such sadness. And then in 2015, is this enough? And then mm. you came to that conclusion that Christ is enough. So tell us after your conversion, what happened afterwards? And what would you say to someone in your similar situation back then who, who would be listening to this because i'm conscious that all walks of life all people listen to this podcast because i've had privileges of interacting with many of you who listen to this regularly what would you say of them also i, I think that's it is, is keep keep searching because i think we're all we're all searching for something and we, we there is an emptiness inside everyone for some they have the privilege of of walking and knowing and being strong in the relationship with God. And when trouble comes, you know, they choose the right path. And for me, at that point in my life, I had set up wealth as my God. You know, I had said that this, this is what my life is about. And I could have, you know, if you ever say to yourself, oh, I want to make more money because I want to give away more money to charity. And that's what it is, you know, re- test your test that. I would say if you think. Perhaps, you know, you think that if I make more money, I can give more money away. Is that the only reason or is it is it pride? Because I think it's the it's the pride we have in our own self-sufficiency uh, that that can sometimes blind us to the fact that the priority in our life should be Christ. It should be his example um, and it should be his sacrifice and his, him, by accepting him and what he did on the cross that when he rose again, as he rises and has new life, so we can have new life in him and being restored. And it's that relationship. And it's it's not it's not a relationship with the church. I'm not saying that it's maybe your Christian friends. If you're at if you're wondering at this moment, you know, is this something for me? And and maybe it is, but it's it's all about that relationship with God. And when you read his word and when you read the gospels and you read the life of Christ, it's it's something completely different that's being offered. And it's when you're in that word. I, you know, I would I would say read more verses, you know, and reconnect with friends because certainly if you've grown up in a church background and maybe you're you know you're not really sure about coming back, you know, there there are friends who absolutely want to hear from you, and I would say reach out and ask those questions, and they're not going to judge you as well. I think a lot of times people feel judged and say, oh, I can't come back. People will know what I've done, and that's you know that's the church is is welcoming and God, of course understands everything so I, I think i think the key is when you're when you're making decisions you know really ask yourself why am i why am i doing something pray about it and again if it's not something you know yet if you don't if you're not in a relationship with god you, you don't know the sacrifice that jesus made and and the life that he has to offer you know ask a friend that does uh, but I, I think it's it's a hard it's an easy one to get caught up in i think at any point is to, to place anything above god but i was there is absolutely light at the end and no matter how in much you feel like there's no way I could come back or 
it's just me that feels alone. You know, absolutely not. You know, everyone has, you know, days in which they maybe, you know, feel a bit down, but there's something different. There's something that like I'm, I'm not connected into either like other people or I'm, I feel disconnected and that's that missing relationship with God. So there's something else as well that you feel like that, you know, and for me, I thought material things could fix that. And so that was why I threw my energy into that rather than into into God's word and reconnecting. So, so after that time, I came back and, you know, sort of shared my story with friends and reconnected with my church. I actually, I ended up moving back from London, um, back to Donald. And I think that, you know, reconnecting with people at that point as well, and, and just sharing just how low that I'd felt. Um, I, you know, I've now been just embraced and, and studying in the word and, and that peace and that clarity. It's, it is sort of like everything suddenly makes sense now. And I have a way of viewing the world that doesn't make me feel like I'm comparing myself to others. I'm comparing myself to God's word and what his plan is and what he wants as well. So I think God just it focuses you on, on back on what's important that way. So for me, it's involvement in, in my local church as well and, and those deep friendships that are pointing me towards the things that are of, of eternal value and not just here today, you know, and, and thrown aside. And and from that, so definitely that whole purpose, you know, a whole fulfillment and a joy and a, and a real peace. And that's, you know, it doesn't mean, I, I'm not saying I'm never sad at any point. That's not what I'm saying. There's some, there's a peace that you get when you're reconnected. Um, and over these last real six years, and especially the last couple of years, especially through lockdown, studying the word and, and connecting, you know, the, the real connections I've had have been with Christian friends, I would say, and, and tried to, I've seen so much positive uh, work and, and embraced being embraced by that, by the church as well, trying to reach people because I think at the moment, especially, we don't have all of the exciting, you know, action packed sort of perhaps lives. We may have more stay of at home and it makes us all think about, well, what's important? What is, you know, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? If I'm just living in a, in a square box in four walls and, and outside and there is hope, there is a relationship is what I'd say. I'm, uh, I hope that's answered your questions there, Michael, and that, sort of for where things that, are. That, that answers my question and more. Let's just put it that way. You're answering so much there, and there's just so much love and passion for the gospel as you speak, and it's encouraged my heart. I know it's encouraged probably people who are listening to this. And as he says, you know, perhaps you went away like the prodigal. He came to his senses, and he had this big speech preferred, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Take me as one of your hard hands, but the father lifted his robe round to him and embraced now in that day in that culture when the when the father left the robe it's a sentence of, of death and, and you're dead to me but he embraced his son god embraces you god embraced michael and made him new and give him that peace and purpose in life that nothing in materialistic sense could ever give him truly C.S. Lewis wrote beautifully, and I quote in every sermon I preach, if I find in myself desires that nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical conclusion is I was made for another world. Me and Michael have been made for another world. We know where we're going. But you? Is this enough in life? Because there's more life than Instagram likes and getting wasted back in pre-COVID days. There's more life than sitting in these four walls hoping for lockdown to go away and we do hope for that sake we see our friends and family don't get me wrong but everything has happened for a reason and you have listened to us talk and 
Michael's story. But what about you? I want to say thank you for listening to the story and hearing my cat in the background and some prom connections here and there. But this story is for you too. You can be part of the story of God's mercy that me and Michael Montgomery find and Michael Montgomery finds such love and peace and you can have it too. I'm going to pray. I want to thank Michael for sharing his story. Thank you, Michael. I was so blessed here and I know many people will. But if you want to come to Christ, I'm going to repeat a prayer and repeat it and mean it with all your heart and please get in touch with a Bible-believing church or a Christian friend. Get planted, get into the fellowship and that's all I ask of you. I don't go looking for money or anything like that. I just want you to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you. Lord, I've made so many mistakes in life. I have sinned and I have fallen short. I have so much shame. But by your name, I am forgiven. By your work on the cross, I am forgiven. Thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Help me to serve you. For your ways are better than mine. Your thoughts are better than my thoughts. Help me to love you. Help me to trust you. Show me your plan for my life. And may I follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Michael, thank you for sharing your story with us. And as we close, I just remember, I don't know if you remember the baby Vesper, great God who knowest all our need, lest thou art watch and guard our sleep. Forgive our sins of thought and deed, and in thy peace thy servants keep. We thank thee for the day that's done. We trust thee for the days to be. Thy love we learn in Christ thy son. Oh, may we all his glory see. And that's what the stories of hope is all about seeing Christ. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining in. Until next week, take care. God bless. Stay safe and look forward to seeing you all again soon. God bless.